It is good to see you this morning. We're thankful that we get to gather to worship the Lord. Thankful we get to fellowship together and celebrate the Lord's goodness to us. So for those here in the sanctuary, we're glad you're here. For those at home tuning in, we're thankful that you get to participate as well. So as you make your way to your seats this morning, we have several announcements of things going on in the life of the church about which we want you to be aware. So several things, friends. First of all, let's let everybody get their seat. There you go. Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. You've heard us talk about this. This is a great way to get the gospel to the nations. There, this is the last week to pick up empty boxes. If you've not done one, there's still time. We're collecting the next two Sundays, so November 7th and November 14th, we're collecting the boxes. So if you don't have a box yet, they're in the hall here. Grab one before you leave today. You'll fill it with gifts for kids of different ages. You select the age of the kid, and then that goes to, to parts of the world, the unreached parts of the world, where they use those to then bless the children, but also then to be a springboard for ultimately sharing the gospel with with those kids. And so again, we're collecting them the next two Sundays. We'll bring the completed ones back and just put them in the hallway where you've picked up the empty boxes today. So I want you to get those. But we have a special opportunity for the ladies. So Missy Cruz coming up here. Missy wants to tell the ladies about a special opportunity coming up for you in just a few weeks. Continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So it's a, we're trying to squeeze it into one day, but it's so much content that we're actually going to have to do Friday night from 6 to 8, November 12th, and then 9 to 3 on Saturday the 13th, lunch is included. It's going to cost $15 per person. If you can't make Friday night, that's fine. Please join and come on Saturday. The registration's on the website. Um, you have speakers, Nancy Lee DeMoss, Kim Cash-Tate, Dana Gresh, Chris Brooks. Then you also have Chris Brooks the second time, Laura Perry, Mary Cashin, and Susan Hunt. But it's, it's a very good uh, live stream. Some ladies that went on the retreat, feel free to ask them. But we would love for you to come, and we're going to have it all here at Gateway so it's convenient for child care if necessary. Thank you so much. So ladies, if you are not able to go on that retreat, or if you went on the retreat and you want to come do a follow-up and see it again, it'll be here that Friday night, November 12th, and Saturday, November 13th. See Missy, she's in the back of the room after the service. If you have any more questions or want to talk to her more about it, again, details are on the blog. Go to gatewaybaptist.com. You can register on there as well. Now, two unique opportunities coming up for us, and we're, we're calling it Gateway at the Movies. Yes, we are going to the movie theater twice as a church in the month of November. We'd love for you to participate with us. There's two great movies out that are, that are special events, short ones, just for three nights each to help build us in our faith. One is called Sabina, Tortured for Christ. This is, if you're familiar with the ministry, Voice of the Martyrs. We've given out some of their magazines before. It's a ministry to help expose the church to the persecuted church and know how to pray for the persecuted church. They've released a movie called Sabina, Tortured for Christ. It's a lady who was strong in the faith during the Nazi years. And so that'll be in theaters on November 9th, a Tuesday night. 
Parents, if you want to be able to come, we're actually providing childcare here at the Gateway Campus. So you can come bring your kids and then go to the movies with us and then come pick your kids back up here. And then on November 16th, it's a Tony Evans movie called Journey with Jesus. And he walks through the Holy Land to see the places you see described in the New Testament. And so it's a great chance, just to, if you've never seen it, to see the places where Christ walked and where his ministry happened. So pre-registration is required for both, both for the movie tickets and for childcare. So go to gatewaybaptist.com. Click on News and Events, and you'll see Gateway at the Movies. You can sign up for the movies there on the website. Last announcement for this morning. There's kids. There's no kids worship this week. And so I know I see some sad faces out there, but just to remind you, on any Sunday that we have five Sundays, on the fifth Sunday of the month, we do not do kids worship by design because we want you to be in the sanctuary the whole time to experience the whole service with your parents. And so this is the fifth Sunday of the month, so there's no kids worship today, and we hope you'll enjoy being in the entire worship service with your parents this morning. Now, in light of that, I want us to focus our minds on the Lord as we prepare to sing to the Lord and study His Word together. So can I ask you to stand, please? I want to read from Psalm chapter 3 as we prepare our hearts to sing to the Lord. We're going to be singing this morning. Our first song is, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And just to be reminded of the absolute sovereignty of God over all things, that as many of you are walking through trials and difficulties right now, to remember that God is bigger than them, that God is sovereign over them, and He is walking with you, using them for His glory and for your good. Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. The psalmist concludes the end of that psalm. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's rejoice in the Lord who is over all that we're walking through and let's sing to him this morning. Oh 
It's the power of our God. You shine in the shine. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. No mighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow.
before we pray today, I want to read an update from our ministry partner, Mark Clovius in Haiti. Friends, if something doesn't change very soon, you will lose all contact with Haitians. All businesses have started to shut their doors because of lack of fuel. The cell phone companies have started to be in big difficulties because some of their stations do not have fuel. Today, the phone service was very bad. Communication was limited. If it continues like that in a few days, you will not be able to hear from me. Hospitals are starting to close their doors as well. Today, you can only find a a gallon of gasoline in the black market for 20 U.S. dollars. Please pray for Haiti. Let's pray together. Lord, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances for the people of Haiti, we know that not for a moment have you forsaken Haiti and the people there. And you have not forsaken Mark. And you have not forsaken the people there. So Lord, we pray for them. We pray for relief. We pray that you will work in that situation. That your glory would go forward and that you would help the hungry and the needy there in that country. That you would continue to give Mark a vision for helping the people there. That you would meet him and his family's needs. And that you would meet the needs of all the people there. Lord, we also pray for the Sarani Kurds of Iraqi Kurdistan this morning. In that area where there is much persecution. Where believing in you is a difficult thing to do. Lord, we ask for their provision and for their discipleship that you would continue to bring them to you. And Lord, as we think about our local community, Lord, we know that we are under attack here at Gateway and the specific area that we see the enemy attacking, not just Gateway, but uh, Christians in general is in our marriages. Lord, it is the picture of your love for the church and so the enemy would have it fall apart institution of marriage. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless the marriages here specifically in our community, that we would seek to love one another as you have loved us and to lay down our lives for each other and to seek your glory together. But we pray for the other ministries in here in Montgomery. We pray for the Miztech Church in Chisholm, for Pastor John and their ministry to the Miztech people. God, do good work there. Continue to bring people to you to bring people into deep and loving relationships with you and with each other. And we pray for Pastor Lester Spencer and St. James Church just down the road here. We ask for your blessings on them as they continue to reach that community in East Montgomery. Continue to bless them. Lord, give them a vision of your glory and your pursuit of people there. And Lord, we pray for Grady this morning as he shares with us. Thank you, God, for our pastor. Thank you for the words that you've given him to say this morning. We pray that you would give us attentive ears and attentive hearts. And Lord, for the offering that will be given today and that has been given online this week. God, we thank you for the opportunity that giving uh, provides for us to say that you are Lord over all, all of our lives. That our resources and the things that you've given us are yours and that if you, had, if you would ask us to give some back, we would give it back to you with gracious and humble hearts. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Well, Gateway Fame, if you'll find 1 Timothy chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word, and boys and girls who are normally in kids' worship, it's good to have you in the service with us this morning, and hope you'll listen up and think about what we're studying from God's Word, but it's good to have you in here with us today. Find 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, if you're visiting Gateway, what we've normally been doing this year is we're doing a study called Rooted. We've been looking at what we believe, and we're doing, using a catechism to guide us in that. But we're pausing that for two weeks. We paused it last week, and we're pausing it this week to do a study on the role of deacons in the local church. We're doing this as we prepare as a church for the deacon nomination process and deacon election process, which begins today. Now, we started this last week with Acts chapter 6. If you were here last week, we looked at the role of deacons in the local church. And we saw that deacons played an important role because they lead the congregation in meeting its practical needs. And we saw that churches desperately need deacons to meet the practical needs of the church. Well, that raises the question, what are the practical needs of the church? And Scripture does not give us a list of what that is. God gives a lot of flexibility to the, each local church to let the deacons step into different roles to meet whatever practical needs need to be met. Now, historically, that could be a lot of things. Historically... The deacons in the church have cared for the widows. They've checked in on the sick and given practical help to people who are sick. They've handled the benevolence or the mercy ministries of the church. They've led in the outreach to the community, led in global missions, helped with the administration and oversight of the church, helped with the facilities and campus. There's so many things. Anything that serves the body is a task that the deacons can step into. And it's something that deacons find great joy in doing because it's what God has gifted them to do and what God has called them to do. And like we saw last week, when the deacons serve in that way, it frees up the elders to be able to study, to teach the word, to be able to teach the word, to be able to counsel the word, and to be able to disciple people and pray individually and pray together and pray for the body. So last week we saw the what deacons do, that they meet the practical needs of the body. Today we focus on the who, who can serve as a deacon. Now we got a glimpse of this last week, if you want to see Acts chapter 6 verse 3, just to remind us what we saw from last week. But in Acts 6 3 we saw, therefore brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. When the early church had a need that the apostles were not able to meet because they were focused on the teaching of the word and of prayer, they raised up men who were full of the Holy Spirit, who were of good reputation, who had wisdom to meet those needs. And if you remember last week, we saw a little glimpse of it that is more important for a deacon to know his way around the Bible than know his way around Home Depot. The, the, the main task is not a practical skill list for the deacons. The qualifications for deacons, even when they were first selected in the early church, were men of character, men who walked with God. And we'll see that in a lot more depth this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, before we get into today's text, because we're jumping around to a different book of the Bible, let me give you some context of what we're looking at here. 1 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy was leading a church in the town of Ephesus. This is the same church the letter of Ephesians was written to. Remember, we studied Ephesians several years ago. Now, this is after the book of Ephesians has been written. This is probably around 65 AD. And there were some issues in the life of the church that had arisen that Timothy would need to address. And so Paul writes to Timothy words of wisdom for how to handle these situations in the local church. And in so doing that, we have so much wisdom for us today of how God wants his church to operate. So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, you have the importance of the right teaching in the church and the right doctrine, which is what we've been doing this year with our Rooted study. In chapter 2, you have a whole chapter here about public worship. What do you do when you gather together? And then when you come to chapter 3, where we are this morning, you have the oversight of the church. Who are to be the leaders of the church? And in chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, is who can be an elder? And we studied that about this time last year as we were preparing for elder elections. Today we pick up in verses 8 to 13, part 2 of chapter 3 here, which is about who can be a deacon. So as we read our text together this morning, I want you to be looking for who can be a deacon and what are their requirements. 
Friends, as we read it, I want you to be looking for something else as well. Because when you look at the qualifications for deacon, this is not to be someone who's like a super saint. This is really the expectation for all believers. It's just laying out that the people who are to be deacons should be following the normal Christian life. So as we read this, this should be something we should use for self-examination as well, because this should be true for every single one of us as well. So who can be a deacon? What are the requirements? We're going to be asking that question to make sure that we're selecting the people God wants us to select as a church. But also be looking inward. Lord, which of these are areas you're growing me in and you want me to grow in as well? So First Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? I'm reading out the English Standard Version. We have the words on the screen for you as well. First Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your word, your unchanging word. Father, we're thankful for your word that shows us your plan for us. Individually, your plan for us collectively together. And Lord, as we begin as a church this process of deacon elections for this year, Lord, I pray that you would guide us, that your word would shape our understanding of deacons, your word would shape who should serve as deacons, and Lord, we as a church would be found faithful to submit to your word in all these things. Lord, as we look through this text, I pray you would help all of us, Lord, the children in the room and others who perhaps are not feeling called to serve as deacons, but to still realize this is the normal Christian life that we see here. And I pray your Holy Spirit would show us areas here laid before us that you desire to grow us and that you desire to create more Christ-likeness in us. And I pray that we'd be submissive to the Holy Spirit, showing us and guiding us of how you want to continue to grow us as your children. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, kind of following the pattern of our catechism today, let me ask a question this morning. Our question is this, who should serve as deacons? And let's make this very personal. Who should serve as the deacons at Gateway? And friends, this is an important question, and please don't miss this, because God will hold us accountable for whether or not we select biblically qualified deacons. God will hold us accountable for how we approach this process. God will hold us accountable for who we put forward as deacons and who we set aside for this task. As we've seen before, there's two offices in the church, both equally important, both equally weighty in the church, the office of elder and the office of deacon. And God will hold us as a church accountable for electing elders and deacons who meet the biblical qualifications and who serve as the way Scripture shows us. So what is a biblically qualified deacon? I want to go ahead and give you our answer, our main idea for the morning, then we'll unpack it through this text. Here's what I want you to see this morning. The church is to select deacons who pursue faithfulness to God in their beliefs and their personal lives and in their families. Friends, the office of deacon is so important. God lays down some very strong, very high qualifications for the people who are set aside to be deacons, and they're to be the people who are already pursuing faithfulness to God and their beliefs in their personal lives and in their families. And just to remind you, the members, this is the task of us as a church to identify the people who are doing this and to set them apart to be leaders of deacon service here at Gateway. Someone who's pursuing faithfulness to God in all their life in their beliefs, their personal lives, and in their families. Now, there's a lot to that for us to explore this morning. There's a lot of truth in that, so let's dig into that. This text, friends, foremost is about selecting deacons. Go back to verse 8 and notice how it begins. These first two words, deacons, 
likewise. Now, when you see this word likewise, Paul uses it to transition to a new idea. In the previous seven verses, Paul has just told us about the qualifications of elders. Now he says likewise. There's another weighty office in the church. And just to remind you from last week, this shows the significance of the role of deacons. This is not that the elders are the varsity team and the deacons are the JV team hoping to get to play, right? This is not the, the first string or second string. This is not the officers or the enlistment. These are two equally important offices in the life of the church, just with different responsibilities and different roles. So there's a likewise equally weighty qualifications here for both of these offices. And as we saw last week, the word deacon literally means servant or attendant. So the deacon is to serve. To deacon is literally to care for other people. That means foundationally, friends, when we are looking at the list of eligible men to be deacons here at Gateway, we need to not identify people that we hope might start serving if we, if we nominate them. We're looking for the people who are already serving others, who already are leading out and loving others and loving the church well on this. This leadership role is so important. We're to select people who are serving and who love to serve others. But this leadership role is so important, God gives us even more qualifications than just people who are serving. Lots of people serve, but who are the people who are to lead in the service of the church? And that's what the rest of this passage is about. Now, if you want to try to think of one word to summarize this passage, the word that comes to my mind is the word faithful. Someone who is pursuing faithfulness to God. Now, what does it mean when we say faithfulness? Friends, it does not mean perfection. If you try to look at the list of people who are eligible to be deacons here, you're not going to find a perfect person on that list. Just as a year ago when you looked at the people who are eligible to be elected for elders, there was no perfect person on that list. If you're looking for a perfect person, there are none. Because every single one of us, myself included, we are sinners. We all fall short. We have all sinned this week and we will all sin this next week. That's why we need the gospel. That's why we need grace. And when you're looking for this, you're not looking for the perfect person. You're looking for someone who is faithful, someone who is seeking grace to follow God, someone who is longing to be conformed to Christ's nature, who grieves over their sin and who seeks God's grace to change them. You're not looking for the perfect person. You're looking for a person who desires faithfulness to God and pursues faithfulness to God in their life. Now, what does that practically look like? Well, Paul gives us several categories here, and I hope this will help us think through this kind of long list. You're looking for someone who's pursuing faithfulness, as I said in our answer earlier, in their beliefs, in their personal life, and in their family life. There's three big categories that encompass almost everything you see here. Their beliefs, their personal life, and their family life. Let's look at each of those. First of all, the people who should be deacons, and again, let me remind us, this is the normal Christian life. This is not super saints who serve in this world. This is for what all Christians are to be like. Paul's just saying, if you elect these people, make sure they're living out the normal Christian life. So this should be true of all of us, that deacons should be pursuing, and all of us should be pursuing faithfulness in our beliefs. Look at verse number 9 here. Paul tells Timothy, they must hold the mystery of the faith, with a clear conscience. They must, friends. This is not an option. This is not just a nice extra. It's not like, oh, good. I'm glad he knows how to fix things on campus. I'm glad he also knows a little bit of Bible. That's a nice add-on. No, like foundationally, fundamentally, deacons should be people who are faithful in their beliefs and pursuing, growing in their knowledge of God's word. We're told here in verse 9 that they must hold, they must embrace, they must cling tightly to something. And we're told what they must embrace and cling tightly to is the mystery of the faith. And when we hear the word mystery, we hear something different than what would have been understood at the time. Because when we hear mystery, we think it's something that we can't understand. But that's not how mystery is used in Scripture. When Scripture uses mystery, it means something that was previously hidden has now been revealed by God. Something previously that not have been revealed is now revealed by God. So this mystery doesn't mean that the deacons should have lots and lots of questions about the faith. No, it means they embrace 
the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. In Romans 16, we see how Paul uses this term. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the, what? The revelation of the mystery. Notice as God is revealing a mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Then in verse 26, he falls up, but has now been disclosed. And through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations. So we see mystery here is something that was previously hidden but is now made known. So fundamentally, deacons have to be people who are pursuing faithfulness to God in their beliefs. They should be people who know the Word of God, who get the gospel of who God is and who we are in our need for grace. People who are experiencing God's grace and growing in God's grace. Now friends, why is this so important? I think a lot of churches have not emphasized enough the importance of deacons knowing theology and knowing belief so well. Why is this so important? Friends, frankly, because deacons have such influence in the church. Deacons have such influence in people's lives. Whether they're teaching someone how to biblically manage their money, or counseling a widow who is grieving, or helping a family who's struggling with sickness, or sharing Christ with the person who's come in with need, or whether they're helping engage the lost people in the neighborhoods around the church, or discipling other men in the church, or trying to encourage a missionary partner who's discouraged, or leading us to catch a vision for the nations. In any of those roles, they must know what the Word of God says and know how to speak the Word of God into any of those situations and to do so correctly. One of the authors I've been reading recently on deacon ministry said it so well. He said, the question is not whether deacons will be theologians, it's whether they'll be good ones. Let that sink in. It's not, the question is not whether deacons will be theologians, it is whether they will be good ones. Because, friends, any time a deacon is serving, doing any of those things, again, helping the widow, helping the sick, counseling the person in need, helping someone learn biblical stewardship of finances, helping a missionary, helping in outreach, any of these things, helping in discipleship, any, if they're serving any of those ways, they will have to be speaking scripture into each of those situations to do what God has called them to do. So it's not a question of whether they'll be speaking scripture or doing theology. It's a question of will they be doing it well. So a deacon must be faithful to the word of God, faithful to the gospel, growing and knowing the word of God. That's the first big criteria. The second one is deacons should be pursuing faithfulness in their personal lives. That's all of us should be doing. We should be people who are pursuing faithfulness in our personal lives. That means how we live, what we choose to do and not do. Now we see this in verse 8. Go back up one verse. Deacons likewise must be dignified. Now, dignified is the broad word, and everything else we see flows from, follows from this word. Dignified is the broad description. And the word dignified literally means to be revered. That's why some of your translations might say deacons must be worthy of respect. They must be revered. In other words, when people look at this man, this deacon, they go, this is someone who appears to be faithful to the Lord, someone whose character we'd want to Emulate. Now, what does that practically look like? Paul gives us three examples here in verse 8 of what faithfulness looks like in personal life. This is not exhaustive, but it's to show us the type of things we should be looking for. The three examples. The first one is in what, how they speak. Look at the first phrase. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. The, a, a deacon or any of us who are pursuing faithfulness to God should be pursuing faithfulness to God in terms of our tongue and our speech. We saw a lot of this when we studied James. When it says here double-talk, it literally means not indulging and double talk, not saying one thing to one person and something different to someone else, not saying one thing when you really mean to do something else. They're saying deacons must not do that. Why? Because they're so involved in people's lives. If deacons are tasked with meeting the practical needs of the church, they're going to have so many conversations with so many people to help them live out their faith and to help them with the needs they meet. It must be careful that they guard their tongues and all these things. They must be respectable, dignified in how they speak. Number two, not just they're to be dignified in how they speak, they're to be dignified in what they consume. 
and what they consume. Look at the next phrase here. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. Notice this one, not addicted to much wine. Now, friends, Baptists over the years have loved to make this say more than it actually says. Okay? It does not say deacons cannot drink alcohol. It says deacons cannot be addicted to much wine. So we don't want to follow the Baptist tradition. We want to follow what Scripture says here. This does not prohibit the consumption of alcohol. It prohibits getting drunk. It prohibits being addicted to alcohol. It prohibits getting out of control from really any substance in your body, being controlled or addicted to anything. And I don't think it's a stretch here for us to include other things in this. A deacon should not be controlled by anything, whether it's food or drugs or even entertainment. They should be men who are pursuing faithfulness in what they consume. Why? Because, friends, the work of a deacon is exhausting. When you are face-to-face with the needs of the body day in and day out, and you're having to address those, there's so many hardships and sadness that you'll be confronted with, so many temptations, and so you need the God-given, grace-given self-control to not run to other things for comfort, to not run to other things to help you with the hardships of life, but to know how to run to Jesus when you're dealing with your own hardships or dealing with the hardships that are in other people's lives. So we need to be faithful in what we consume, not running to comfort from all these other things, not being controlled by anything else but God himself. So deacons are to be dignified, respectable in their speech and what they consume. And number three, in how they view money. Look at this last phrase of verse eight. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Now that does not mean they cannot have jobs. That does not mean they cannot even be wealthy. This is not about how big their bank account is. This is about their heart, their character, what they love. What this means is they're not to always be wanting more and more. There's not be greedy. Friends, a person who's consumed with always wanting more and more for themselves is not going to be someone who's going to be good at serving other people because they're not satisfied, content in their own life. This means that whatever work they do, they do it honestly. They're people of integrity who work hard as unto the Lord. And that also means that they do not view deacon service is something to help them get ahead in their business ventures. This is not going, ooh, if I'm a deacon, look at all the business contacts I get. This is what it's saying. That's not what this is about. You don't use deacon service for personal gain. You use it to serve other people. So a deacon must have the right view of money. They're not always wanting more. They're not greedy. They're not being selfish in all this. Why? Friends, because the work of a deacon often involves money. It often involves helping the poor. It often involves helping people learn biblical stewardship. It often involves helping the church oversee its finances. It often involves helping oversee ministries of the church and spending money on behalf of the church to minister to people. So they must have a biblical view of money so they can handle it right in the life of the church and help other people handle it correctly as well. So by God's grace, all of us, but particularly as we select deacons as well, must be people who pursue faithfulness to God in our beliefs, in our personal lives, and one more big category in our family lives, that all of us should be seeking to pursue faithfulness to God in our family life. And as we select deacons, we need to be making sure we select deacons who pursue faithfulness to God in their own personal family life. Look at verse number 12 in your copy of God's Word here. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Now, quick clarification. This does not mean that unmarried men cannot be deacons. Single men can be deacons. This does not mean that men without children cannot be deacons. They can be deacons. This is showing you in different stages of life things you are looking for. So what does this mean? For single men in the church, this means that they are trusting and believing God's plan for marriage and sexuality. That means they're saving themselves for marriage. That means they're not looking at pornography. That means they're not sexually involved with other people. That means even they're redeeming the time to serve and not just use their free time as a single man to be doing more and more just selfish pursuits. It means they're trusting God's plan for marriage. For the married men, what does it mean? 
Well, if you look at this phrase here, verse 12, it says he should be the husband of one wife. That literally means he's to be a one-woman man. So perhaps a more literal translation here is he should be a one-woman man. That means he's faithful just to his wife, no one else. That means so much more, though. A one-woman man means he's seeking to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He's seeking to care for her physically and emotionally and spiritually. It's not just like, oh, hey, that man's never had adultery, so he can be a deacon. No, you're looking for the men who are shepherding their wives well, who are loving her and caring for her and nurturing her physically, emotionally, and spiritually, pursuing that one flesh relationship, being the pastor of his own home. And for married men who have kids in the home, this also has instruction for us. We're told that they're to manage their children in their own household well. That means he's intentional and taking the lead in his family. He's intentional in discipling his children, intentional in shepherding his children, intentional in disciplining his children. He doesn't just relegate all that to his wife. He himself steps in to lead his family, to be the spiritual leaders, the pastors of their home. Now, why is this so important? For the same reason it was important for the elders. If you go back to 1 Timothy 3, look back at 4 and 5, just a few verses earlier. We saw this a year ago. Verse 4, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Why? Verse 5. For someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? If we cannot manage our own home with the several people entrusted to our care, how will we ever manage the church of God? Friends, a man who's not willing to lead his wife with servant leadership and to lead his children spiritually, who's not willing to die to himself and give up his own personal pursuits for the good of his family, is not going to be very good at dying to himself to serve the needs of the broader Body. So deacons, by God's grace, should be people who are pursuing faithfulness in their beliefs, faithfulness in their personal lives, faithfulness in their family. And again, let me remind us, this is the normal Christian life. This is God's will for all of us as well. We're just told to make sure we're selecting leaders in the church who are doing the normal Christian life. Now in all this, you've noticed I've skipped a verse. And that's verse number 11. It's time to come to verse 11 here. This is a very debated text. And that's the reason we're coming to it now and we've talked about everything else First here, look at verse 11 in this text here with me. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Friends, everything I've shared so far is pretty widely agreed upon by evangelical Christians. By people who love Jesus and who are committed to the authority of Scripture, everything we've shared upon is pretty widely agreed upon. This is the role of deacons. There are to be people who serve and there are to have these characteristics. There's very little debated on that. There's been some debate over the years about what one, one woman man means, but... Most people are kind of where I mentioned today. But you come to verse 11, and there's a broad range of interpretations of this verse. There's people, and this is not a liberal, conservative view of things. There's people who love Jesus, who are committed to the absolute authority of Scripture, the absolute sufficiency of Scripture, who believe that these are God's very words to us, and we must align ourselves to them, who come down with radically different understandings of verse 11. There's people here at Gateway with very different understandings of verse 11. So I'm going to show a lot of grace as we approach this verse to try to understand this verse. Now, the complication of this verse comes from one of the first words in this verse, where the ESV, unfortunately, translates their wives. Friends, I love the ESV. It is not accurate here. It adds an interpretive element. There's other translations that translate this phrase, likewise the women deacons. That's not accurate either as well. That's an interpretive element. That's not an accurate translation of this text. In the Greek, the issue is the word for wife and the word for woman is the exact same word. And so the context has to tell you. So normally Greek is more specific than English. Here, it is not more specific. The same word can be translated wife or woman. And so when, the, when, when you come to this text, it should literally be translated, likewise the women must be dignified. So that would be the accurate translation of this text. Likewise the women must be dignified. When you see the translation to say, likewise the women deacons, 
That's interpretation of the meaning of it. We see what the ESV did here. Likewise, the wives of deacons, that's an interpretation of this word. And there's people who love Jesus, committed to the authority of Scripture, who come down with very different places on this. So what are the two possible meanings of this phrase that means, likewise, the women must be dignified? One possibility is what the ESV does here. Likewise, the deacon wives are to be dignified. Now, what are the strengths of this particular view? Well, they would argue from the context. In verse 10 here, you're seeing that Paul is talking about deacons right beforehand. Then in verse 12, after this verse, he's talking about deacons as well. So they say it just makes logical sense. He's not going to insert one new verse here about a different office in the church. He's going to just keep me talking about deacons. So therefore, it's about the deacon wives. People who hold this view also would say if the marital faithfulness is such an important piece of this. And elders, he's talking about the importance of elders being faithful to their families and their wives. They do the same thing for deacons. So if this is a different office in the church, the office of deaconess or women deacons, then why would he not include the importance of faithfulness and your family. And so some people look at that context and say, in light of this, really, this is about the qualification for a deacon wife. They further say the reason for that as well is because deacons are so intimately involved in people's personal business, it's important for their wives to have these characteristics, particularly with relate to their tongue and how they view other people, because they're going to be so intimately involved with this. That's the argument for why this should be deacon wives. Now, what are the strengths of the view that this is women deacons? Well, they say you look at the word likewise here. When Paul introduces a new idea, he uses the word likewise. So it says deacons likewise must be dignified in verse 8. Now here in verse 11, he says their wives likewise must be dignified. So literally women likewise are to be dignified. They say he's using the same transition here to show us there's a third office in the life of the church. Also, there's no article or no possessive before the word women. When you see their wives, that's been added by the translators to smooth it out. It literally says likewise women are to be dignified. There is no possessive there. There's no article before that you would expect if it was describing the wives of the deacons. They said the lack of that indicates that. As well, you go to Romans 16, there's a lady named Phoebe in the early church who's described as deaconing in the church. Now remember though, deacon can mean to serve or it can mean an office. It can mean either one. But in Romans 16, you have a lady deaconing in the church. They put all that to and they say, you know, look, these are women deacons in the church. Which is it? Well, friends, we're still wrestling with that, honestly. Because there's people who, again, this is not an issue of whether or not you committed to the authority of Scripture. There's people who love Jesus and love the authority and sufficiency of Scripture who come down to different places of what this is supposed to be. So what are we going to do here at Gateway with it? Well, we're still praying about it. We as an elder team are still wrestling with it. We do not have a definitive position on this yet because we're still seeking the will of God and still seeking to understand the Word of God correctly. So for the time being right now, we're going to follow what our bylaws have in place, and that is we're electing men to serve as the office of deacon, recognizing there's people who have different views in this, who love Jesus and love the Word of God. And we want to show much grace as we wrestle with that and continue to wrestle with the Scriptures to make sure Scripture is guiding us in what we do. Friends, we want to be faithful to Scripture and our scriptural commissions, not based on what our tradition's always been, but also not trying to do what's popular or culturally cool today. We want to make sure our authority is Scripture. And on texts like this that are challenging in places, we want to be faithful to it, so we'll keep wrestling with that as we move forward. But because of our current bylaws... We're going to move forward with electing men to be deacons here at Gateway. So let's bring that together. Who should be selected as deacons here at Gateway? Men who pursue faithfulness to God and their beliefs, their personal lives, and their families. That raises a big question for us. How do we know? How do we know if these men are pursuing faithfulness to God in these ways? So go to verse 10 of our text today, and we're told how we know. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Again, blameless here isn't perfect. Blameless is the idea of faithfulness of men who are quick to repent when they fall, men who are seeking to have their lives shown by these things. Let them be tested first. Because that's the job of the church. 
when you look at the list of men who are eligibly deacons, for you to look at that list and not nominate people who you're not sure meet these qualifications. For instance, that's one of the reasons why our bylaws require deacons to be a member here for a year first. There are a lot of godly men who've been here less than a year, but you're not going to see their names on the ballots because they've not been here a year yet. Many years ago when Gateway was founded, the bylaws were written in such a way that people had to be a member a full year first. Why? Because it takes time to know someone's character. You can meet someone, and and at first everything's fine, but then you kind of start looking behind the curtain of their lives, and you start seeing issues, and it can take months and years sometimes to see issues that need to be addressed by God's grace. So as you look at the ballot, you may be thinking, well, why isn't he on the list? Well, he hasn't been a member yet a year. Our bylaws require that, so there's a period of testing. As well, know that we ask deep questions. The men who get nominated don't just automatically become deacons. They go through a deacon election process, and before they ever come to the final vote, the elders meet with them, and we ask a lot of very personal, very invasive questions about their beliefs and their understanding of God and the gospel. Many questions about their family life, about their personal life, how they proceed to pursue holiness and seek God's grace for transformation. So us together as a church, the elders as well as you as you nominate, we have a responsibility together to test to see if the men are following the Lord in these ways. Now in light of all that, particularly to the men who are going to be nominated, this can sound daunting, can it? I told you last week that the role of deacons was to get involved in the practical life of the church. It's getting involved in people's lives to meet practical needs. That is exhausting. That is hard work. I told you today that the qualifications for this are really high, though they're really what God's will is for all of us, is you're to be pursuing faithfulness in all areas of your life. Unless that scare you away, Paul ends this text with a word of encouragement. So men, I hope you're not looking at this going, oh, please, Lord, don't let anyone nominate me as a deacon. Like, I hope that's not what is going through your mind right now, going, this sounds impossible, this sounds hard, I've got to be pursuing faithfulness in these areas of my life, and oh my goodness, I've got to do, get involved in people's lives and all this hard work of deaconing and serving. And lest that be daunting to you, Paul, I think, knows that. So after doing all this, he lays out this word of encouragement. So to men who are going to be nominated... I want you to look at verse 13, but for all of us, look at verse 13. Notice how Paul ends this. He thinks about the weightiness of the role of deacons. He says, for those who serve well as deacons, literally those who deacon well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves, and also get great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. There's two promises here for the people who step into the role of deacons. Two things happen. One, it says they gain a good standing. What does that mean? It means they gain a good standing in the eyes of other Believers. All that simply means is other believers that they've ministered to have been blessed by them. When the deacon steps in and cares for the person who's sick or encourages the widow or provides leadership over a ministry area or helps that person get to the mission field or encourages that missionary or helps the lost person connect with the church body or helps practice hospitality, he's coming through all the things a deacon could do. When he does that, people get blessed by his ministry. He gains a good standing. People are thankful for the personal ministry they've received at the hands of the deacon. This just reminds us this is honorable work. It is hard work but it's honorable work, and it blesses people, and they're thankful for it when deacons serve them in this way. There's a second promise for the deacons here, lest they think this is too overwhelming. It says they also gain great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Great confidence. The word here literally means boldness. They gain great boldness in their faith. That means that the Holy Spirit fills them and gives them boldness in their witness. They find the Holy Spirit empowering them to know how to help that widow, to know how to engage the community, know how to help that person get out of poverty, know how to help the church manage its finances, know how to share Christ with the person needs, to know how to keep going on and on and on. They find boldness from the Lord as the Holy Spirit fills them to speak the Word of God into all these situations. That basically for the deacons, they find themselves growing spiritually as they serve and as the Holy Spirit Fills them. So yes, it is hard work. Yes, it is, a, in a sense, a daunting task. But they gain good standing. They find 
the thankfulness of the people they've ministered to, and they find great confidence as they grow in their faith. Well, what's next for Gateway, friends? What do we do with all of this? We are to select deacons who pursue faithfulness to God in their beliefs, in their personal lives, and in their families. Now, how do we do that? As you leave today, this is for our members, as you leave today, there's deacon nomination ballots on the table in the very back by the door there. They're on the table outside across from the restrooms and the office. I mean, there's a stack in the gym building as well. There's nomination forms. We want all of our members to please take one of these when you leave, when you leave today. Please read over in the carefully. There's a lot of the scriptures we've worked through last week and this week are on there. There's an explanation from our bylaws of what are required of the deacons. Our bylaws have a very long description of the qualifications for deacons. And it is very consistent with what we've seen last week and this week. I hope you'll read over that. I hope you'll reread these scriptures and begin to pray over them. On the back of the list is a list of the men who meet the basic bylaw requirements. And the basic bylaw requirements, you've been a believer three years and a member one year. So again, you, you'll know members here at the church who would be great deacons. They haven't been a member yet. Lord willing, a year from now, they'll be on the ballot for next year. But these are the, just the basic criteria of men who've been members here for a year and believers for at least three years. And your task is over these next two weeks to take that list and to pray over it. To begin to see who are the men the Lord is raising up to lead in ministry. We're not looking for the men to do everything here and to be the do-everything group. We're looking for the men who will become the leaders in ministry. The leaders of meeting the practical needs of the people of the church and of the church as a whole as itself. And as the Lord identifies those for you, as you begin to see men who meet these criteria, we want you to nominate them. There's blanks on that nomination form where you can write down the men you believe meet these qualifications and who will be good at serving the body to help the practical needs of Gateway be met. You have two weeks to do this, friends. Nominations are due two weeks from today on November 14th. Once you've completed your nomination ballot, you can put it in the offering box right there in the back where it is. You can bring it to the church office. You can mail it to the church office if you trust the postal service. We'll get it here by November 14th. We just need it by November 14th. So whether you hand deliver it back to the office or you put it in the offering box on a Sunday, we need those back by November 14th. And beyond that, we want to ask all of us to please, please be praying you did this last year, and we watched what the Lord did as we studied His Word about elders, and the Lord put together this amazing elder team that we have today that loves to teach the Word and pray and shepherd, and we're excited about what the Lord's going to do as He raises up additional deacons to join our current deacons and working hard to make sure the practical needs of the body are met. So let's be praying. But final challenge for us as well. I've said it several times today, friends. Don't check out and think, well, that's just for the deacons. This is a normal Christian life. This is not for... If you're in leadership, you have a separate standard. This is what God's will is for all of us. The scripture tells us God's will is our sanctification. And God desires to grow all of us in these things. So as you look over and read over the qualifications for deacons, don't just think about it for others. Use it in your own devotional life. To ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart to show you what are areas where God wants to grow you as well. Perhaps for some of you it's growing in your speech. Perhaps for some of you it's growing in how you view money. Perhaps some of you it's growing in how you shepherd your family and how you step into that role of pastoring in your home. But use this as an opportunity not just to select deacons here, but look in your own heart and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he wants to grow you. And let's be excited as we watch what the Lord does as he grows a deacon team here at Gateway as you respond to his word over the next two weeks. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, to think that in your wisdom you have not left us wondering what the church is supposed to be or do or what we're to look like. That you've, told, you've shown us the purpose of the church and you've shown us the mission of the church and you've shown us what the priorities of the church would be and you've shown us how those priorities get met through elders and deacons working together. And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done a year ago as we responded to your word and the elder election process of last year. And Lord, we look forward with anticipation and eagerness now to what you're going to do as you raise up additional men to join our current deacons in serving the practical needs of this body. 
And so, Lord, for the members of Gateways, we spend these next two weeks looking at this list and praying over the qualifications and thinking about the men who are qualified to do this, who you are raising up to lead and serve here. God, I pray you give us your wisdom, that you give us your direction, that you give us your mind. Lord, we desire for the men that you're already calling to be put into these positions of leadership, to lead the body in serving. Lord, for the men who you're calling to serve in this way, Lord, I pray this wouldn't be overwhelming to them. I know as we've talked about the role of the important role of deacons and even the qualifications, I know that could be daunting. And I know the enemy could get into some of these men's minds and try to convince them that this is just not for them. Lord, I pray that you would help them see what Paul talked about here in the end of it, the great confidence they get in serving you in this role and the good standing they get in doing this. They would do this because they love you and they see the needs of this body that we need leadership in to help meet. I pray you'd be calling them out. Even this week, you'd be stirring their hearts as they respond to your word to be knowing that you are calling them and setting them apart for this task. They would have an eager, holy anticipation for getting to serve in this way. Lord, for all of us, I pray you guard us from just checking out going, well, that's for the deacons or that's for the elders. Lord, help us realize this is your plan for all of us. That God, that this week in my heart and the heart of these precious brothers and sisters, that you would stir our hearts to desire to pursue faithfulness to you. Lord, we all fall so short. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And Lord, our only hope is your grace. So this week, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us. You'd be stirring our hearts to long even more and more for faithfulness faithfulness to pursue studying your word for ourselves, to grow and hungering for your word and wanting to know you and knowing right theology, or to grow in personal holiness, not because we're trying to get to you, but because we already belong to you and want to live out how you already see us and to grow in our family lives as well. What I pray in particular is we've talked about the role of the family and the life of the deacons, but for all of us, help us shepherd our families well, help us lead our kids well. Or for everyone in this room who's got children, I pray that you would help us as we be more intentional in discipling our children, disciplining our children in the love of God. Or for all the men of the church, I pray that you would help them see this week their responsibility to be the pastors of their home. Lord, this is not just a job for the church leadership to disciple their kids and the church activities, but Lord, it's their job as fathers to set the tone for their family. Help them do that. And for every husband and wife in this room, as Jeff already prayed in our prayer time earlier, Lord, we pray you guard us against the strategy of the enemy. We know Satan hates godly homes, and he hates godly marriages. So would you help us this week die to ourselves and serve our spouse out of love for Christ and love for one another? So we just submit all these things to you, Lord. These are tasks that are impossible for us to accomplish our own. These are not things that we can manufacture in our own hearts. These can only happen as the Holy Spirit fills us and your grace changes us. So give us the right perspective this week. Give us the Holy Spirit to empower us and help us live out our faith in all the things that we face this week. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Man, would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning?
I pray what we've just sung may not just be words on our lips, but we, what we really understand and experience be true, that you are great. Lord, this week, whatever we face on the good days and in the hard days, and the happy moments and the trials of this week, Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight of your absolute greatness and knowing that you're overall. Focus our minds on you with that. Lord, as we find joy, as we find peace, knowing that you are great and you are good, I pray that overflow to others. And so we've just sung that all will see how great you are. So would you take our lives this week and use them for your purposes, for you to be glorified, for others to see how great you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget to get your ballots on the way out and be praying over those this week. God bless you, Gateway family.